Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of July 27th. I'm your host, D-Swap Derek Kessinger, and as always, joined by these three gurus of the editorial staff of Kevin Kovac, Robert Holman, and Kyle McFadden. And Kovac, Superman is that dude this week, collecting $73,000 in 24 hours, Sunday at I-80 and Monday at Boone, Iowa. He is loving that money, straight cash, homie, isn't he? Yeah, it's uh, now that's almost $1.5 million he's Woo! won now this year. He's over a 1.4, I think $1,400. Uh, uh, what, what, what's the exact number here? It's $1,476,044, uh, you know, that, well, he said. pretty close. Give or, give or take a few, uh, you know, contingency awards or something, I guess, but uh, he he's up there and uh, got the record amount of money won in a season now because of that uh, that million dollar win. But he just keeps pushing it up. I mean, he's it's it's incredible the season, uh, the the amount of money he's uh, he's already accumulated and and to do it in 24 hours. Uh, I mean, that's that's a pretty uh, impressive uh, achievement. And he he's just did a great job at at uh, at, at I 80 on on Sunday and with the rain postponed Silver Dollar Nationals. Uh, he was uh, he took advantage of some late caution flags to get back in the game, move up to fourth to second, and then ran down Tim McCready to uh, to get a win. And then he pretty much uh, controlled the race at Boone on Monday night. Uh, so he he's he's on a roll here. He's uh, he's he's figured out. I mean, uh, he, he's he struggled to get. He could even have a better year. He's let several fifty thousand dollar races. Uh, kind of slipped through his fingers because he wasn't very good in traffic uh, and, and would lose it in lap traffic or just not be able to get up to the front. Uh, he was really good at, uh, alone, but not when with, with other cars around. But he he was able to 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 make the winning pass at, at I eighty through lap traffic on Tim McCready. So he's figured something out. Uh, they, him and, and and his crew chief Jason Durham both said it's a lot of. Uh, film study like he's a basketball or football player or something or baseball player and watching a lot of video and, and just figuring out what what kind of moves worth positioning he needs to do in the corners because that was the basic thing that they need to do to to figure it wasn't much they can really change on the race car to make it hand make it work better in traffic but he's he's a good driver he figures it out uh like it, it, and, and is making it work now yeah, JD's almost to equivalent of Robert Holman's salary at one point five million. He's getting closer and closer. Robert, big time pass. Just I don't know if you saw that move or not, but he started diamonding off a one and two, going up a little bit higher on T Mac. And sometimes it's better to be second because you can kind of search around a little bit. And he got by there. He got by T Mac with about fifteen to go. Yeah, so many, so many guys will tell you that leading a race like that sometimes you know you're just a sitting duck. Um, and that's kind of what uh, uh, Timmy McCready was there, I guess, in, in that situation. You know, you obviously everybody's like, oh, you want to be out front, clearly. But when it's a, a, a situation where there's a, a lot of traffic and the racetrack is changing tremendously in terms of, of the, the line or the groove, uh, it, it often helps uh, to be running second. Because when you're leading a race, sometimes you get comfortable in that that position. And I'm not saying that that's what happened to, to Tim McCready, but sometimes you get comfortable and, and you're like, you feel like you're making good speed. And it's really, it's almost like qualifying when you're out there leading. It's hard to judge because there's no other cars kind of to judge off of when you're time trials. Whereas uh, when you're running second, 
you have those other cars, you know, you have that leader to kind of judge off of, and you'll know whether you need to kind of push it or whether you need, you can sit there and ride a little bit. And, uh, and so second, sometimes, you know, you're in the catbird seat and that's just, uh, that's the place to be. And that's, that's where it was for, for JD on Sunday, for sure. As he collected another very large payday. Yeah. And Kyle, is this going to be a 2015, uh, type run we're going to see by Davenport? Is he going to go through these crown jewels the next few weeks? He's won at Fairbury. He's won at Cedar Lake. He's won the North South 100. He's pretty good at Batesville, so can we see him go on a massive hot streak like we've seen in the past? Because, I mean, other than Madden and maybe T-Mac, there's not really anybody that's really close to his speed right now, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I wouldn't see why not, right? There's been four drivers, I feel like, that's been consistently up front in these crown jewel races. Obviously, those two are Jonathan Davenport and Chris Madden, and then the other two here, especially of late, Tim McCready. And Mike Marler, you know, those those four have consistently been in the hunt. I think the thing that strikes me really just about Davenport, you know, I mean, he can win obviously anywhere, right? But he's so good anywhere he unloads. And, and, and so, which is like so hard to do, I feel like these days, right, where, where guys really specialize at certain places or certain parts of the country, um, pretty much anywhere. And in the country, any track configuration, clay type conditions, uh, Jonathan Davenport is right there. If not, you know, leading the race, controlling the pace. And so, yeah, no, I mean, he's certainly, there's certainly a lot of meat left on the bone for uh, him to top 2015. But I mean, it's certainly on the table. I mean, there's another one this, this weekend. Uh, in a race called the Prairie Dirt Classic. So, I mean, he's probably the favorite for that, too. Oh, yeah, Prairie Dirt Classic. I don't know if he's the favorite there, Kyle, but he'll definitely he's definitely a top two or three, the former champion. Uh, I'm going to go to Robert here really quick before I get to Kovac and just about the event itself. And I think the other big storyline over the weekend was Chris Madden. I mean, this guy's been fast all year long, no mistakes, really. Gets him caught up on the start with the car in front of him, spins out. And I feel like every car in that heat race hit him, and he had a forfeit the weekend pretty early. He went back home. That's a That might be a big blow for Matt in there, Robert, because that car has been dialed in. And I feel like maybe sometimes mentally you're thinking, man, that car is destroyed right now. Maybe we're not going to be as good in the other one, or maybe we can't fix this one. You know, no, no, definitely no two cars are identical. You know, you'll, you'll, I don't care if they come off the same jig or not. It's it's almost, you know, even though some of these cars are mass, most of them are mass produced now. They're 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 not the exact same, and uh, and so if if he was really comfortable in that car, if he if he feels like that's the car that's won him all this money, and then it might it might be a mental setback for Chris Madden. But I just don't think Chris Madden is that kind of racer. I think Chris Madden is, you know, we've we've the Chris Madden that we've. I guess kind of grown accustomed to over the last probably five to 10 years is a Chris Madden that is uber confident in his own ability. And I would say that's in his own ability to put a race car together, to repair a race car, to drive a race car, to drive a freaking tractor trailer to the racetrack, to order it at IHOP, whatever. He is confident in his ability to do whatever. Personally, I do not think that this will be a setback for him at all. Like I wrote in our fast talk, I mentioned 
he's it's not like he hasn't won enough money this year to fix anything or buy 10 10 cars over i mean he, he's got the resources he's got great sponsors behind him that have pretty much given him what he, the tools he needs to succeed and they'll do the same again and he has the resources to, to repair and fix and do whatever he needs to do so i don't think i don't even think that it's a shot to to chris madden's confidence uh you know i know that there are times when chris madden is not always the 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 happy-go-lucky guy that's fun to interview but that doesn't mean his confidence wanes even when he's kind of gloom so uh so yeah i don't think that uh this is a problem for chris madden i think he'll be i could be proven wrong but i think i personally think he'll be right back out there as one of the top three to five guys every time he unloads on any particular weekend. Yeah. And just, we had good fit video footage of him, like low angles of, you know, just him looking so deflated after that, because that car, I feel like, you know, it was just like a match made in heaven just for his driving style and the way he's been running all year that, you know, he's like, dang, man, we had this car. Great. Maybe if I just held off a little bit more patient, this one to happen, you could definitely tell he was very uh, upset. What happened there? Kovac, is this the last, I-80 Silver Dollar Nationals, I heard a lot of rumors, uh, got a couple texts. I know they announced they're still going to run it, but don't know where. What is? What was the vibe like out there? What is the rumors you hearing? Are we going to have this thing at I-80 again? We going somewhere else? Are the Kaziskis going to be involved? I've heard whole points in between. So what What are you hearing and what have you uh, got when you uh, – Rolled, uh, walked through the grounds this past weekend. First, I just wanted to mention there Chris Madden a little bit too. Uh, that that I totally agree with uh, with Robert. I mean, I talked to him after that wreck in his in his hauler, and you know, about you know, probably an hour afterwards, he'd already changed and uh, was lo- trying to load that that mess of a race car back up, get it ready to load up. Uh, and and he that confidence wasn't gone. I mean, remember, and that car was his Eldora car. He hadn't even raced that car since he nearly won the million and uh and finished uh and he was leading the dream when it rained so he, he could have put that in a corner and, and just waited until september and took it back to, to eldora uh, but he's that he said he's not that kind of guy you know he's he doesn't get all in love with one race car uh and he's he's won he won the smoky mountain fifty thousand dollars with his other car uh, since Eldora, he won also, he nearly won at the Deer Creek. And he, when he took that challenge to go to the 12th starting spot, nearly won that to get that bonus. Uh, so he, he, his other car running really good. He probably could have pulled it out and, and probably qualified. He probably could have come up and qualified through a B main uh, on Sunday, but he decided just to get home and, uh, and not, not risk it, uh, you know, bending up another car and, and get to work on building a new one. Uh, so he, 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 pretty much said it. He goes, I'm not worried. They're going to rocket's going to build me another one just like it and, and we'll be fine. So I think uh, when he comes back the next race will be the USA national Cedar Lake uh, next week. I think he'll be fine. So I just, I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. He didn't, he didn't seem even uh, shaken other than being sore from getting hit all over the place. Uh, as, as for the uh, silver dollar nationals, man, I, I don't, I mean, it's, it was kind of funny. One thing is for the last few years, we've been, I've been I 80. And we're there, and everyone's talking about, oh my God, what, is this place closing? What's happening now? It's not, I heard the place is closing. It's going to be, it, this is it. The place is done. They're selling the track. And now that they said, the Kasiski say they are selling the track, now 
I go there this week and the, it kind of turned around. He goes, ah, the, the rumor is that this place is not, is not going to be sold yet. It's going to be, you know, they're, they're going to be back next year. They're still going to continue this race next year. It, it won't go anywhere. And so I don't, I don't know. People like to go the opposite direction, I guess, with this, uh, but Joe Kosicki, he, he seems to maintain that he is, uh, he has done with promoting races after this year, uh, a, a weekly racetrack. He'll still have his Malvern Bank series and Ho- Hoker Trucking series. He wants to just focus on that. He says it's time. His whole family, there. It's time. They 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 don't want the stress of having a weekly track and got a great deal to be able to sell this racetrack. Uh, the contracts aren't done yet. I mean, I guess they're on a lawyer's table or something and desk. But so anything could obviously happen. Maybe there's somebody. If it is sold to who it is sold to, the the neighboring junkyard there. Uh, they wouldn't keep it a racetrack, obviously. They'd just be using the property. But maybe somebody steps up and, and then people come together or something and, and maybe our ta- we'll take it over. Uh, Joe Kazizzi still kind of leaves that uh, window open a little bit where maybe somebody would come in. But the, the problem is it's so much money that's so valuable. I mean, I think that land is so valuable that it, it blows away any other racetrack that you would, I mean... <laughs> Uh, it doesn't make sense to buy it, spend that much money to buy it and to keep it a racetrack. Uh, it just, I don't think you'd get much of a payoff on that. It would, the return wouldn't be a good on the investment when you, know, you can go somewhere else and probably build a new racetrack for cheaper than it would just be to buy that land. Uh, so, but maybe some, there, there's still, again, there's still a chance maybe somebody else steps up, but it's not looking very good. They announced that next year the Silver Dollar Nationals will be, I think, July 20th to 22nd. I think the date is. It's not Lucas Oil Series, but a track to be announced. I mean, Houston Speedway in South Dakota, that's uh, been a big rumor of where it might go. It's about, you know, three, three and a half hours above uh, I-80. Maybe, the, and they had a heck of a race there a few days before with Lucas Oil Series for the first time. So maybe that could be a possibility. They got plenty of seats there to make it a big event. Uh, although it's sprint car country, uh, you'd have to kind of fight that. And it's not Omaha, like, you know, so because Omaha has a lot of, there, there's still a lot of racers in that area. And, and especially some, you know, longtime families that have raced out of the Omaha area, which they won't have a late model track really close to them if I-80 closes also. So that's, uh, that's kind of a concern too. I mean, how do you, everyone really has to travel far. You like to have a local track to to keep that backbone of everything. So that's a that's another factor in every in, in the whole you know situation of late model racing out in that area in Nebraska uh, that will be watched. But right now it seems like everyone is everyone's hoping that it continues because that track is such a good big track, a good racy track, and it's really become a great event. But I think everyone's sort of resigned to the fact that it might have been the last time they they pulled out of uh, I-80 on on one Sunday night. Yeah, when they uh starting to hear the rumors and, you know, Ben was texting me saying, hey, this might be happening. We're hearing this. Obviously, in our sport, in the pits, there's a lot of stuff that is being said. And, you know, it's like telephone sometimes. So you never know to what's fully true, what might be true, and what's not true. But uh, it's kind of like the Undertaker, Jeff, where he, like, wakes up. So maybe one day we'll be back at I-80. And uh, just when he thought it was dead and the racing has been always good, Good paying uh, race. We'll have to wait and see. Um, Kyle, though, I think that maybe most racetracks should just – I kind of tweeted this, and people thought I was serious. Just say it's your last event. You know, say we're done. The track's closing. East Bay's using it a little bit. I-80's using it. 
hey, you know what? This might be our last year. And then you get a full crowd, highest car count in the history of the race. So it was a great weekend for them. And just unfortunately with that mother nature there. But all in all, it was a great weekend. Good car counts in all divisions because everybody wanted to be there for that final time. Saw that tweet, Derek. <laughs> That's uh, pretty clever. I was watching the race on the stream and, you know, sounds a little cliche, but you can kind of feel the crown jewel feel, uh, you know, just just by watching. And so, um, you know, I wasn't uh, really aware of, of, or, you know, Kevin was there. He saw the difference just between Saturday and Sunday in terms of fan attendance and, and uh, just uh, overall atmosphere, right? And so I hope that the rumor is, or a rumor that's going around is true, that the Silver Dollar Nationals could return to IED next year. Because uh, I would really like to get out at some point in time. Um, you know, that'd be cool just to take in and experience. I think every race fan or just any person who is invested in racing, right, wants to uh, just take in those atmospheres, uh, those one-of-a-kind atmospheres that uh, you, know, you can't really get elsewhere, that it's its own unique thing, uh, and it can't be replicated elsewhere, can't be duplicated. And uh, certainly, you know, the Silver Dollar Nationals has that, has its own unique stamp, uh, its own footprint, uh, in the dirt late model community, um, in terms of promotional tactics, um, basically saying that, you know, this is it, this is your last chance to come out and savor this race, this, uh, this moment, uh, you know, certainly draws that out of people. And, and, uh, so I think it's also a reminder too, you know, to just really appreciate, I guess what we have right now, um, you know, in dirt late model racing, and because uh, we have a lot of big races out there, right? And um, I think on the whole, losing one crown jewel uh, on the whole um, isn't obviously going to hurt the sport. But in terms of uniqueness, right, we're certainly going to miss the Silver Dollar Nationals. If it does, in fact, leave IED. Yeah, if they have it there again, obviously the late model world will love it. If they have it somewhere else and they're still paying that same amount or close to it, I think it'll be all right. But, yeah, like Kovac said, that – I saw people tweeting about that, man, this is really going to hurt Nebraska racing once this place closes because it's really like the only track in that, you know, radius for, you know, late models and stuff like that. So it'll be very interesting to see. And it's always racy. So that's a, that'll be a bummer too when you have a track that's that damn good. It's a very shame that, you know, if they don't have a race there anymore. But we'll wait and see. You never know. This is racing. You just never know day by day. So we'll have to uh, be patient and see what the future holds. Uh, Robert, do you have anything more for my 80 or any other weekend thoughts before we get to our topic? My only thought about that is, is kind of like you mentioned, it's, it's not so much losing a crown jewel. It's losing a, a great facility that produces great racing. You can move yeah. the race somewhere else, you know, and, but what if they move it somewhere else that, that sucks just because it moves somewhere else and this race continues, doesn't mean it's the same um, you know, the same type of racing that we've come to enjoy, you know, at I-80. So, uh, so that's, that's the key is, is if they do decide to move it somewhere, find a place that produces good racing and where you're not going to be overlapping with some other tracks and where, you know, you're not going to get the same stuff. You know, that's, that's to me, the biggest, the biggest key with trying to continue this event. Yeah, I know like a lot of people have said Houston's, but I was like thinking, okay, I was thinking Davenport, that track's racy, it's got a pretty big facility, that'd be awesome, but they already have a big race back in August, so 
it's a lot of tough decisions for the people that are going to still run the race and we'll see what happens. But yeah, I just think it's a huge hit with just how good the racing is. It reminds me of like a mini Knoxville Eldora mix and guys can come from the back and lead to the front. Congrats to JD. Does anybody else have any uh, final thoughts about I-80 before we get to the topic? Kovac, any little quick little note you have? I know our boy, boom, heartbreak hotel. It could have had $5,300 and got that, got that blown motor there in the B main. Yeah, it was too bad for boom. He was three, way, three laps away from winning the second B main and, uh, and then the motor goes up in smoke, uh, just, uh, and he pulled off. So, uh, he wasn't even able to run the non-qualifiers race, which he won last year. And then, uh, announced that he wasn't taking the spot because, uh, he was just going to drink beer and take his $5,300. So, but, uh, yeah, that was a disappointment for him. And, uh, and another, you know, probably note also about Tim McCready, man, he just finishing second in that race was a pretty good accomplishment for him. Uh, going 80 laps, he had a kidney stone attack going on uh, on Sunday, and started feeling bad on on um on Saturday. He's had one before, had one about a you know a little over a year ago uh, during a weekend outlaw World of Outlaws weekend in Mississippi Thunder up in Wisconsin, and uh, that one was worse than this one. He said, but still, you could tell that he was in some pain. He got out of that you know kind of all day long. He wasn't uh, uh, he wasn't he was looking a little haggard and a little drained and uh, because he just had had that pain of that kidney stones, which, uh, you know, by anyone who's had one, I think could probably say that it's pretty bad. I think Robert w- would uh, would agree. I, I believe Robert is, uh, you know, he, he's he's had them at the racetrack also. Right. Uh, if I if I'm not mistaken. And uh, and it's no fun. And McCready went 80 laps uh, and finished second and, uh, and had to, uh, you know, he, then gets out of the car walking gingerly and he did i did check with him uh, on on monday the day after the the event and he was uh, riding home with huey naylor one of his uh you know longtime crew guys and friends from canada uh and uh they had stopped in toledo ohio to, to for the night because they couldn't quite make it all the way back but he was feeling better still hadn't passed the stone yet but i think robert maybe would comment about what it feels like uh, at a racetrack with kidney stone right painful it's it's absolutely miserable. Two, uh, 2001 uh, World 100, I missed like half the heat races because I was stumbling around like a drunk person trying to pass that thing. It was really, it was really bad. And plus, at the time, it was the first one I'd passed, and so I didn't really, I didn't really know what was happening. But, but yeah, I passed a kidney stone at uh, at Eldora in 2001 during the World 100 weekend. Oh my God, it was brutal. So I feel for a person that's trying to concentrate. That's the biggest thing. That's it's the concentration that you lose when it becomes so unbearable. Uh, so if, when you're trying to concentrate while driving a race car, I, I feel for anyone trying to do that. But uh, for my for my two cents, as far as I-80, hey, let's go seven and a half hours south and move that race to West Plains, Missouri. That place deserves an, a crown jewel again. Let's go back there for a let's move, the, you know, the Silver Dollar Nationals to back to Missouri. How about that? Let's start a start an online. Uh, a, hole or whatever to get it back there that's a great track there we go yeah it's a historic racetrack as well as it used to host so many show me 100s and if you just look at the stats from it, it had a lot of great races a lot of people passing mover and shakers so uh, robert's on maybe you're on to something there i like that well guys this week's topic of course the big race is this weekend the prairie dirt classic at fairberry speedway um, as always, great crowds, great atmosphere. It'll be a pretty solid field. I'm expecting probably over 60 cars as they usually do. Friday's the prelims and then Saturday's the hunter lapper. Of course, this year 
they got the $500 lap bonus. So a driver could walk away with $100,000 if they lead every lap. But I'm hoping we have some guys moving and shaking and throwing sliders and different guys can uh, earn extra money. But the Prairie Dirt Classic, other races at Fairbury like Summer Nationals, even local nights, they always have these great finishes. I mean, just look at the drivers of the year or races of the year videos. Look at our finishes of the year videos, and you'll see that Fairbury is on it every single time, every single year. So that's what I wanted to, you know, kind of discuss today is just our favorite um, finishes that we've seen in our career, or maybe when we were a kid or a store we got to ride. Because it is pretty fun when you get to interview the guys that have a photo finish because sometimes they claim they won, the other guy says they won, and it's a whole bunch of shenanigans, but it's always a uh, Always good to see a you know a close finish. So Kyle, I'll start with you. What is one of your all-time favorite finishes that you have seen in person or that you can remember that was so that was so pretty cool? Yeah, I was actually just thinking that through this morning. And first one that comes to mind is Greg Satterley's uh, 2016 Lucas Oil Weight Model Dirt Series win uh, at Hagerstown when he passed Scott Scott Bloomquist uh, on the last lap. I was uh, there as a fan, just like the atmosphere, right? And and just how that race unfolded, you know, Greg Satterley's first ever looks so a late model dirt series win, you know, comes at the track that, that Robbie Allen, you know, uh, you know, lives not too far from, from Hagerstown, his crew chief uh, himself. So um, yeah, just that race. And I was uh, just like going back through and uh, like watching the highlights of that race and, uh, I had forgotten just how far Satterley, um, you know, had, you know, been um, just like in that race. He restarted third with like 14 laps left and hadn't really challenged, uh, you know, Scott Bloomquist up up to that point. Uh, and so I just like remember the just the crowd was the largest crowd I had ever seen at Hagerstown Speedway. And that's my home track. Uh, it's just the track that I attended the most races at as a kid growing up. And uh, just the scene, right, of uh, of a guy like Satterley growing up not too far from Hagerstown, like three-ish hours from there, and uh, just winning his first ever Lucas Oil race uh, against anybody but, you know, Scott Bloomquist on the last lap. Uh, that one sticks out the most to me, uh, probably more than any of the others, largely because haven't been able to ex- experience the breadth uh and depth of races that you guys have yet um hopefully you know here in a few years or next year you know by the end of the year we can talk about more races um but yeah that's 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 the first one that comes to mind uh and just like the atmosphere that's like the one thing i'll never forget you know basically the stands coming unglued thought the place was going to come crashing down Oh, yeah, I remember that night perfectly. Shout out to the Hall of Famer, Steve Gigas. He was on the shot video for us at Dirt on Dirt. And, of course, he's always on it, and it was a great pass by the truth. It kind of was like a wild one where he got so much momentum and it was able to pass Scott down the back stretch. And then, of course, Essex, oh, my gosh. You know, you can't even understand him half the time. He's losing breath. He's like, you know, a little bit. He's all fired up. So, uh, yeah, uh, when James Essex makes a call for a photo finish, it's always great. I don't know if that was the best James Essex uh, impersonation there, Kovac. So you can like rate that. It wasn't the greatest. I've done better. But uh, what was your uh, favorite ones? You've been around this for a long time. I'm sure you got some Northeastern days of great finishes. I'm sure 
covering the outlaws you've had some good ones and obviously at dirt on dirt you've seen a few at you know fairberry as well so what one uh comes out to mind to you or it could be two whatever you think well yeah well there's a few i got like that i mean there's yeah there's a lot i've been uh uh there's there's been a lot of races i've seen so i've seen a lot of good finishes uh yeah not enough actually i mean it's kind of like buzzer beaters or whatever in basketball we never see enough of them you know like but when they happen they definitely stick out and one that sticks out all the time i mean i actually I was just talking to i think shane clanton about this this uh this past weekend it was the 2008 world of outlaws race at uh uh, up at uh, River Cities uh, in uh, Grand Forks, North, North Dakota. Race, I mean, that was, uh, I mean, I, I'll never, I, I was taught, Shane just won there uh, a week or so ago in the World of Outlaws show. And, and um, I'm just was saying, hey, I, every time I've been to River Cities when I was with the Outlaws, it was a great race, great little quarter mile high bank track, no walls around the outside, except for the front stretch. And uh, in that race, it was uh, Brady Smith and Shannon Babb they started in the front row together, pretty and battled right together the entire distance. Uh, Brady took the lead, you know, about halfway through, was able to keep holding off uh, Shannon. But then in the last lap, Shannon, they're in traffic. They're coming up on Joey Peterson, uh, a, a regular from up in that area, and they're coming up to lap him. Brady goes to the bottom, uh, a three and four, and leaves the top open there. There's a, a, a little bit of space open. Be, uh, would, uh, Bab was able to go between uh, the lapped car and uh, the outside wall and just lays it all, let, you know, lets it all hang out coming off a of turn four. They're coming to the checkered flag three wide straddling this lapped car and uh, <laughs> Bab's right side, yeah, you know, his right side, right front wheel goes up on the wall. He goes across the finish line with his uh, right side up on the wall and Brady was just able to nip him. Uh, at the line for the win. I mean, it's a, you, you go back, go look, you can actually go look on, uh, you could go, uh, go look back in 2008, July 11th, 2008 on dirt on dirt. And you can see the story and watch the video too, I'm sure. Uh, and check it out uh, and, and see what a great race. I remember, you know, Bab just is up on the wall and he bent up the front end, obviously when he hit that and he just went right straight into the, you know, it goes across the line and boom, right into the, Pit area off a of turn one uh, to the exit there because he couldn't go any farther with the, the, the you know, the, the bent up front end. But that one's always going to stick out in my mind. But then a, a couple other little quick ones, both of them involving Brian Burkhofer, that 2014 Knoxville Nationals when he passed uh, uh, Scott Bloomquist on the last lap uh, coming <laughs> off a of turn four to win that. That's my first Knoxville Nationals too there. Uh, and it was the weekend that Berkey announced that, you know, he, at Thursday, I went and talked to him before the race, and all of a sudden, he's saying that this looks like it's going to be his last weekend of uh, racing. He's going to retire after it. I'm like, what? What did you just say? I had to kind of process that. And then kind of storybook, he goes out and wins the race on the last lap over Scott Bloomquist in his home state. It was really, really cool. And, and just this one other I'll quickly. Also, 2014, a few months before Knoxville Nationals, that photo finish, uh, in a dream prelim between Burkhofer and Rick Eckert when Eckert was in the Rocket House car at that point. Uh, they go across the finish line in that 25 lapper, and by the transponder, uh, Eckert was just barely ahead. I mean, like two thousandths of a second, he was ahead. He shows on, on, the, uh, on, the, on the transponder, so he pulls up thinking he won, and then Burkhofer pulls up thinking he finished second. And then the officials stopped him before they got to the stage and said, hey, we're going to have to check this again. Let's look at the video 
and make sure because, you know, that transponder line isn't always uh, right at the start finish line or it's not perfectly straight or whatever. So uh, Eldora, their, their ruling is that they're going by the flag stand right at the flag stand is the finish line, even if the transponder is, is a little bit before it. So they went to the video and Burkhofer was just a little bit of a nose ahead uh, to get the win. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, and he got to go up on the stage, you know, it was kind of that weird situation where the transponder says one thing, but the video, uh, said the other because, uh, you know, different spots of where the transponder is and the, and the start finish line, but another very memorable race. It's kind of, you always kind of remember just standing down there in the infield and neither driver or team knew who won and all just waiting for a ruling. And then finally Burkhofer, you go up on the stage and, it didn't make Eckerd and the Rocket team feel very happy, but that was the ruling, and, and that's what they went with. And a memorable time, though, for in 2014 at Eldora. Yeah, I remember they had to, like, look at the video broadcast replays. I remember Roger Slack and Larry going over to check it out. We had uh, Joey Millard, when he was shooting photos for us, had, like, a photo finish on the infield. We showed that on the broadcast. So we had all these different angles on it. You could clearly tell by where they go he was definitely the winner. Obviously, the transponder and Rick Ecker and all them and Mark saying, you know what? No, we crossed it first on the transponders. Come on, give us the win. And that was kind of when Ecker was in that car there. So he's feeling pressure as well to try to get these wins. So he was trying to take any he could. So fell just a little bit short. And Berkey had a good 2014 great races. And, of course, the one at the Eldora. I mean, the pass on Bloomquist, too. I mean, that was pretty good as well, I think. So I don't think Robert is going to go with that one. If he is, I'm sorry for spoiling it, Robert, but what one do you got? Well, you know, one thing that because it's uh, PDC week, one race that comes to mind, of course, is that uh, I had to ask you exactly what your it was, which is what happens when you get old. You have to look things up or get some help remembering the years. You remember the events, but oftentimes – Well, you oftentimes forget the years, you know, and I will say this, that we have, uh, uh, and I'm not, I don't want to sound like elitist by any, by any stretch, but oftentimes we forget as many great finishes as some people maybe have, have seen, you know, we're like, oh yeah, I remember that race. Yeah. You know, and so we're very, very fortunate in that respect that we, we do get to see a lot of races and I do agree with Kevin in that we don't get to see enough great finishes. But when you start stacking years and years of events up, sometimes it does help to have your memory refreshed and say, you do remember that race, right? And, and then and it comes back to you and you look at your notes like, oh, yeah, that was a great race. But but the, the 2015 uh, PDC, I think, was uh, when uh, Dennis Herb Jr. was leading and uh, Davenport, they were swapping the lead back and forth. And I think. I won't say JD might have maybe nudged him kind of up out of the groove coming towards the checker, but I, that part I can't remember. I just remember that it was a, a great race right down to the checkered flag. And, um, and of course, that was 2015 when, when uh, Davenport was in the middle of that incredible, at the time it was a record-setting you know season you know that he was in the middle of at, at the time. So that's one as far as the PDC – uh comes to mind that's one that as far as pdc that's one that comes straight to mind of course i know that you don't want me to mention the first time i was at uh, fairbury so i'll, I'll let that I'll, 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 I'll let that 
I'll let that stinker go. I'll let that. I'll let that, that. I'll let that. Who won that night? Was it Bab? Was it, it was Shannon Bab? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So yeah. if he wins on a you know a lackluster race, I can take that. We'll fight through it. But no, Shan- we don't. Let's just say. Let's just say Shannon Babb was driving the train that night. Okay, he was the engineer of the choo-choo. Okay, so uh, but anyway, I, that is a was a very rare occurrence for Fairbury. I uh, hope it's not like that this weekend. I don't suspect it will be. But uh, but anyway, when when looking back through great finishes, one I, I didn't have to look this one up other than the year Duck River two thousand eight Southern Regional Racing Series. Dane Dawkus racing Ray Cook and Randy Weaver right down to the wire in this race. And it was an absolute barn burner. Dawkus is, is, he comes from third. I don't know where he started actually, but he comes from like third in the last few laps. And Ray in the track, Duck River is always to me and i've seen better races there when duck river is slick across the track all the way from the bottom from the inside tractor tire to the top but yet there's still just a a little bit of a cushion not like a heavy cushion but just a little bit of something where you can go up and touch an outside car can go up and touch and get a little drive off and kind of keep up with that inside groove that's when duck river is the is the best and that promotes to me three wide racing not just two wide at duck river and uh and it's kind of rare to get that kind of track at duck river in recent years but back in the day that's the way it really was i've seen some great races there but in 2008 i'm sitting in the stands uh and i actually covered this race for dirt on dirt so i might have to go back and change my my start date uh for when i started uh because that was actually maybe you know, that was what second year that dirt on dirt was a thing. And uh, so I'm there covering the race for dirt on dirt. It was an, it, it was a hell of a race right down to the uh, Randy Weaver's leading it right kind of down in the bottom Ray cook uh, right up on the top, up on the cushion, kind of just uh, pedaling up uh, up there. And then here comes Dane, Dane, Dane Dacus, Dane Dacus, whatever. He comes from nowhere. You don't, you think of Fairbury with these sliders and, and these crossovers and, and Eldora, but man, the last two laps, Weaver and and Dawkus was they were throwing them at each other. Dawkus winds up crossing the start finish line on his side, up on the wall, sparks flying. He lands like fifty yards down the track, backwards, and at the end, Randy Weaver doesn't even go to the post race tech in the middle and gets DQ'd from second. And Ray Cook winds up getting second place. Uh, I think at the end of the race, Dane wound up having two broke shocks. Uh, his upper and, and lower on the right front was killed. Uh, he had to replace his J bar, right front spindle, and of course all the body work and stuff. You know, and that was a 26 year old Dane Dacus, whereas opposed, I think a 40 year old Dane Dacus would not maybe uh, drive. He might, I don't know. Heck, he, he probably would not do that now. I don't know, but a 26 year old Dane definitely did. Uh, it was, it was a, it was a great, great race. In fact, I will, I did look this up. Uh, Todd, our very own, as you say, future Hall of Famer Todd Turner wrote, called Dane afterwards, a few days later, and wrote a story. And this is, this is how Todd Turner described the, this finish. The Duck River finish, and I, I quote, the Duck River finish was among the wildest finishes in track history. 
and about as crazy as you'll see in dirt late model racing. That's from Todd Turner. I mean, I know it was 14 years ago and we've seen a lot since, but still, when when Todd Turner says that, you know it has to had to have been a, a hell of a finish. And I was there and can testify that it absolutely was. Uh, this is a race that had this top five was was Dane, Dane Dacus wins it. Ray Cook, you know, Schaefer, our Schaefer's Southern Nationals promoter runs second. Brandon Kinzer third. Uh, local local hot shoe Jay Brinkley ran fourth. And in fifth place, none other than Ricky Thornton Jr.'s crew chief, Anthony Burroughs, finishing fifth in that race. So it was uh, had 44 cars. It was a great, great show. And, uh, of course, like I said, Weaver got DQ'd at the end for not going straight to post-race tech, which is just the stupidest rule. I've, that was just that was a serious rule, and it was the dumbest rule in the history of one of the dumbest rules in the history of motorsports to make a because the because the scales at Duck River are on the outside of the pit area. So if you leave the track to go to scales and then come back to middle for post race, you got DQ'd. You know what happened to Corey Posey? It's happened to people, you know, in in this in that series, and it's a stupid rule. Anyway, I I I digress. But yeah, it's uh the good thing about that particular race, even though it was 2008, we have video of that on Dirt on Dirt. We have the video of the finish. So if anybody wants to look that up, uh, just look through their history. And, and if you, if you can't find it, I will personally send you a link to it. If you just want to, uh, to shoot me um, a message to Robert at dirt on dirt.com, I will send you the link to that finish. Now, keep in mind that this was 14 years ago. The video quality is nowhere near what we, um, what we are used to now. The audio quality kind of sucks and the video quality is Nah, average at best, but we do have it, and uh, and you can you get a feel for what, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Hell of a race, and uh, every time somebody says, "Do you remember a, a great finish?" That one comes immediate immediately to mind. When a guy's upside, almost on his side, as he crosses and wins, as he crosses the checker flag, and then when he gets finished, he's pointed the wrong direction. You know that was um, how do you forget that? You know. Uh, and, and hey, speaking of, I, I'm not going to go into a, a whole a whole spiel about this race, but the the Brandon Shepard, um, Dale McDowell finish, you know, from Eldora. Uh, it was almost like the, that, the second place that? guy spun out. <laughs> yeah, it was at the, it was at the, you know, what was that, the Dream a couple of years ago? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, that was a great finish as well. So anybody wants to go watch five laps, you say, where in the hell did McDowell come from? Go watch the video for that too. That's a, that's a great, great uh, finish right there for sure. Yeah. Eldora has vintage moments. And Robert, if I had my eyes closed and you didn't, or not even my eyes closed, if you didn't say what racetrack this was at, I guarantee you I probably would have guessed Duck River a top three times after just telling the whole story from the night with like people missing the scales somebody sideways i just feel like that is like a close quarter southern nationals type race <laughs> or whatever it was, it was it was a southern regional racing series and now the now defunct southern regional racing series but okay. yeah it was uh you know duck river is as uh has produced some really good shows throughout yeah. the years and uh and, and 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 it's still capable of it with when the track prep is spot on so I got two that comes into mind. My first one is, you know how we always talk about like the crowds erupting and stuff like that? Well, I was at one in May of 2020 at Davenport, Iowa, and there was no fans. 
and it was a battle between Ricky Thornton and Brandon Shepard. And I'm kind of like down in the off in turn number four in the stands by myself, so I wasn't really close to the finish line. And when they crossed, I literally had no idea who won the race, and it's silent. No one knows who won. All you can hear is like Rick Elsherman, you know, echoing because he was in the stands announcing. That's the only thing you could hear, and, you know, that's what makes finishes so great. But I was on the other side of it when there was no fans, and it was a great photo finish. And after looking, you know, through the transponders and stuff like that, uh, Brandon Shepard was declared the winner. And if you watch the video, they don't even have a camera in front of the flag saying they're off on two sides, so you can't tell there either who won the race. So I thought it was a very bizarre one, and just because it was a COVID year and there was no fans, that's what we like to – see during like those photo finishes like you know Kyle alluded to is with the crowd on their feet going unglued and going crazy and there was no one there but the finish that I will always remember will be the 2011 Summer Nationals at Fairbury I think like Bobby Pierce is like 13 or 14 he's uh takes the lead from Brian Shirley with like four or five laps to go Rodney Melvin and Jason Fager you know are uh right behind them well then some reason Bobby passes on the bottom. Yes, people listening, he used to be a bottom feeder when he first started. So he gets the lead, but with two laps to go, he decides to run the middle. I don't know if there's a lap car or something like that. Well, Rodney Melvin gets by him. Fager finally gets by him. And those two are drag racing for the final lap. And when they come out of four, it looks like Rodney Melvin's going to win this race. I just watched the video a couple of days ago. And Fager gets this shot off the top, and they come slow, 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 slow. Can't even tell. Even slow motion. There were so many conspiracy theories. I've never seen, uh, like, so many people on, like, 4M or Facebook, like, this is where the line's at. You can clearly tell by the angle Jason Fager is winning. And, like, it does look like he is. But this is the time and there's no transponders. They're going through scores. They declared Rodney Melvin the winner. But this thing lasted for, like, a couple weeks after where they couldn't tell who the winner was. But it was just one of those uh, vintage classic nights at Fairbury. It wasn't a Prairie Dirt. It was a Summer Nationals makeup. Rodney Melvin gets the victory, and of course, like, Fager Nation is very popular in the Fairbury area because Bloomington Normal, his uh, hometown's only 30 minutes, so they uh, they had Fager Nation on, like, Facebook and 4M going crazy about it. People were still shotting the, you know, the the shot because at Fairbury, the camera's on the backstretch right at the start-finish line, so you have a good angle to see where it's at. So, so many people were, you know, saying, look at this, Fager's ahead right here. This is where the start-finish line. The very next week, they painted the post orange, so you can kind of tell where the start-finish line was at Fairbury, but that was uh, one of my classic ones. Kovac, you, what's your favorite Prairie Dirt classic finish? There's so many of them. What one does he stick out for you before we uh, close it out here? Yeah, there is a lot of good ones, but I think that few years, what was it, two years ago when uh, Brandon Shepard and Bobby Pierce going down to the line, Brandon kind of gives a little bit of the hip check there. Uh, with the slider and, and three going through three and four to, to, to take the win. That was a pretty good one because it had, I mean, the crowd going nuts, obviously. The crowd was into that. Uh, it was a, the local boy, Brandon, you know, the, the Illinois boys, two Illinois boys going for the win. Uh, it, it, you couldn't beat that. I mean, I'll always remember that finish and, you know, the, the, the joy of Brandon Shepard uh, uh, and then the disappointment of Bobby Pierce who – yeah, you, you th- for a second there, you're like, oh, man, he's going to be mad at Brandon Shepard because, you know, Brandon got into him a little bit going in there that, you know, in that last in that fourth corner. But Bobby, you know, kind of I mean, he 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 accepted it. He knows that that was exactly the move that he would have tried on that last lap. Also, he'd have been, he'd have been aggressive and going for the win. 
so he can't, you, you can't complain about it when you would do the same thing. And, you know, and he just said, Hey, good job uh, to, to Shepard. You know, you got me this time and maybe it'll come down to it this weekend. I mean, that, that'd be pretty cool again. Cause one of these years, Bobby Pierce is going to win that, you know, and, and, and probably in some pretty crazy fashion, I'd imagine it'll probably be pretty memorable when he does. Because uh, last year, man, he was he gave it his all to try to beat Ty Larson. Uh, I mean, he ran his ass off. And I remember, you know, seeing him after that race. And he's like, I don't know what I got to do to win this thing. I can't run any harder than I just did. And uh, but I, I, he, he's due to win one of them. And uh, I think that'd be a pretty wild scene if uh, if Bobby Pierce uh, and it's it, it goes right down to the wire uh, uh, this Saturday night. All I know is if the roles were reversed there and Bobby did that move to Brandon on the final lap, there would be complete opposite. I feel like there were so many cheers for when Sheppy won. I think Bobby would get the – the boo birds would be flying big time if he did something like that, which, hey, I'm okay with. As long as we got an instant classic, you know, close finish, I think we'll, we'll be okay with that. And, yeah, Bobby Pierce is like the Dale Earnhardt with the Daytona 500 with the Prairie Dirt Classic just – Couple few runner ups, uh, the altercation with Kyle Bronson with the middle finger in the heat race, starting last in the non qualifiers and winning that. So he's had the tire incident in 2013 where they said they kept moving him out on their under the yellows. So he's had a lot of things point uh, fingers at him or he's pointing fingers at somebody else during the Prairie Dirt Classic, but he's due for a big victory there. And I think maybe this year is the year that Bobby Pierce gets it done. All right, guys, uh, we're closing. In on the end of the show, we'll do one more thing. And Kyle, man, how you feeling over there? You got something good for me? Anything blue gray, yeah. one hundred related, or furry dirt, or what do we got? <laughs> well, your boy Kyle Larson is making his return behind the seat of the good old Rumley Six Dirt Late Model Furry Dirt Classic. So, uh, figured to mention that uh, his first uh, late late model appearance since June sixth, uh, Tri City with Outlaws. So uh obviously he's been super busy since then but uh making that return and uh your backyard there suave this weekend going for that second straight pdc he only needs one he's tied with kevin weaver at one apiece that's all he needs plus illinois holds the advantage over the united states for wins 16 to 15 so we don't need another outsider to win so he can he's okay with one he won it it's fine Hopefully they move the Jumbotron where he can't see it when Pierce is tracking him down, like you said last year in victory lane. So, uh, yeah, Larson will be back uh, at Fairbury, like you said, for the first time since June. He always puts on a show there. He loves that racetrack. So he'll be definitely uh, tough to beat. But we'll see with the lack of seat time, which it probably doesn't really affect Kyle Larson. But we'll have to wait and see. Well, you, Robert, how you feeling? What's your one more thing? I like the goatee today. Looking good. I feel like it's a little longer than usual. Thank you. I'm uh, letting her flow, baby. Letting her flow. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, my uh, my one more thing I, with our job, and I think all of us. First of all, you know that we all have our, our opinions, and we try to keep those to a a certain spot. Whether it be in my, like my blog is where I share a lot of my personal opinions, and really the only place I share my personal opinions, other than maybe this this uh, podcast. But uh, but every once in a while, you know, we see something at a racetrack and we're like, what in the hell is that guy thinking or what? Why is this happening? Or sometimes we even think, geez, we could do this better, which, you know, that's a rarity. But sometimes I'm sure it crosses all of our minds. Anyway, I, I 
try not to get up on my soapbox too much, but this weekend down at uh, Screven, I'm I'm watching this race and repeatedly, not just once, but repeatedly, guys stopped on the racetrack, drew a caution, and then drove off the racetrack only to never be seen again. What in the hell, guys? You just affected a race and you're freaking junk. You let your junk affect the outcome of a race. Get your shit off the racetrack, okay? All right, so here's what I'm saying. There's got to be some kind of penalty for this. There's got to be. We can't just let it keep happening. If you're going to stop, you damn well better wait for the push truck to come get you, even if you don't need it. That way we can think, well, he drive shaft or something, or transmission went out or something, rear end's broke. That way he can't pull off. I heard his motor running, but he, oh my God, stop affecting the outcome of a race just because you can't get your junk off the racetrack. My suggestion, which I put on Facebook, was to stop paying these people. And you're like, how can you withhold their pay? Well, I'm not sure if everyone knows it when you sign in at a racetrack, but there are all kinds of, if you have never read the small print on that little piece of paper, when you sign to go into a racetrack at the pit gate, you're you're missing out on some good reading. There's all kinds of stuff and stipulations on that little sheet of paper that, and you could add some stipulations to the entry fee. If you do this beyond a reasonable doubt, you will not get paid. And I guarantee you it would stop. So what do you do with their money? Well, I'm not just going to steal their money. I'm not going to take their money. I suggested race pace 500 start. This guy rolls up here. He's, he makes four laps, and all of a sudden he pulls up here and stops. They throw a caution. He drives straight across the racetrack. We're going to keep his $500 and donate it to a charity. We're going to donate that money to a charity, and we're going to even be nice and don- donate it to a charity in that person's name. Joe Blow? We're donating $500 to this particular, the Boys and Girls Club of Columbus in your name because you're stupid. That's what we're going to do this week. So stop affecting the outcome of races because you can't get your junk off the racetrack. I mean, it happened. I guarantee you Zach Mitchell would agree with me right now because I promise you he would have won that race had that last caution not come out. And I can't really... I can't honestly I can't remember right now if that last caution down there at Screven was because of a car doing that or not. It might have been a wreck for all I know. I, I honestly can't remember at the moment. But cautions affect the outcome, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad, sometimes for the sheer delight of the crowd. It brings the cars together and, and makes a hell of a finish. Cautions have an effect on this stuff, but don't deliberately draw one because you have now affected the outcome of the race and you're sitting around in a pile of junk. Quit, get off the track and let the other guys race. That's my one more thing. Sorry, I was soapbox, taking it down now. All right, do you need some comfort, Robert? You okay? I I, I, I need a, it's like Chevy Chase says, where's the damn Tylenol? I need, I need <laughs> Christmas vacation. <laughs> I, I need a drink or something. I need a, I'm in Lynchburg, so I need to go get a drink of the local product, I think. That'd be nice. I'd love to see uh, drivers not intentionally doing that and just pulling off and 
doing that. So maybe you're onto something. I like the donation to a charity in their name. So maybe we can get that in the near future. My one more thing is if you're at Fairbury this weekend, Saturday, Kovac's, Kovac's favorite thing of the entire weekend, 3 p.m. Swab talk behind turn number two on the bus. We'll have some special guests. I will give you one guest that will be on there. It'll be Ricky Thornton Jr. And we got some other mystery guests. So be there if you're there. Check it out. It seems like it's getting bigger and bigger. And then the, the experts, like Rigsby, he thinks he's an expert, will be making our picks of who will win the Prairie Dirt Classic. It's always a fun time, only a 45-minute show before the autograph session. So if you get to Falls early, be sure to check that out uh, behind turn number two on the bus. It'll be a great time. We'll have drivers up there, throw out some free shit. It'll be, uh, be, a, be, a, be a grand old time, Kovac. I know you're always looking forward to it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm for my one more thing. I'm, I mean, I won't mention that, but I mean, I do enjoy that. That's a very good show, always uh, entertaining. But my uh, looking at this weekend, I mean, I, I enjoy that Thursday of Fair, uh, Fairbury Prairie Dirt Classic. I mean, last year, you know, you have the auction of all the all the stuff. Like I'm not talking about the the there's the golf tournament, but that's uh, you know off site. But actually on site, man, that uh, you know you had the nice. Uh, you know, it was entertaining the. Uh, everybody hang kind of hanging around there for the auction and then you had the band playing you got everybody there in the in the camping area it just is one of those days remember last year i really felt it was really a fun time where like there could be a race that day it could run another race make it three days but i like that no racing that day everybody's in the pits everybody's in the camping area the drivers don't have anything to worry about the race teams they can kind of just relax and hang out mingle with the fans and it, it was just a really a good time uh you know, at the band and everybody got the got the bar at the racetrack going and uh, selling beers and everybody's just kind of enjoying themselves and, and and without the pressure of like I mean we just ran a race we got to get this car ready for tomorrow and stuff everybody's got their stuff to go ready to go and you could just kind of hang out and have fun so and I'm looking at the the forecast for the week it looks like it's high 70s low 80s and kind of down into the 60s at night with sun that looks nice perfect. Fairbury weather, right? Right, D swab. You got the shorts and then put a sweatshirt on at night. It could be a good perfect uh, weather. That could be setting up nicely. So let's uh let's go with the with the PDC weekend. And, and also, let's not forget, big day on Saturday. Not all not only because it's a uh it's not only the the big uh, suave talk, but D Suave's fiance will be making her debut. So this better happen. There could be no excuses now. Colleen no will be excuses. there, and she will be there to see her man up on the big bus <laughs> talking to everybody. She will be just so impressed by how what a what a household name he really is. She's going to be able to see that, and, man, she will be like, man, I can't believe this man I'm going to be marrying, man. Look at this. Look at this superstar. Right, Derek? Good or bad. Good or yeah, bad. that's right. Know. So you better be at your finest up on the on the bus on Saturday, oh. so everyone could expect it, and and we'll uh, we'll be welcoming uh, Colleen to the racetrack uh, on on uh, on Saturday, her first PDC. Yep, she's looking forward to it. I think the state of Illinois is looking forward to it. Expect a huge car count. Uh, the big race on tap this weekend at Fairbury Speedway, and then we finish the. Southern Nationals this weekend as well. That will be on Flow Racing. I'm sure we'll have a extensive coverage on that as well. Be sure to check out the blogs that Robert's been writing, the cool inside race stories that the rest of these guys do. 
then you know all points in between live videos on flow racing we all have highlights from the prairie dirt classic friday and saturday so be sure to check it out until next week this is the dirt reporters thank you for watching